We'll read the same passage in our English Bible, Psalm 140. 140. We're just taking a, a break from Mark this week. And thought this would also be a good encouragement for us because we all, or many of us, are in places of work where we feel like we're being silenced. And if we don't agree with the other side, then we feel like we're being put into trouble. So, and this is a strong encouragement to remain faithful to the Lord in the midst of those who would seek to go against Jesus and his word. Psalm 140, deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather together for war. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have purposed to make my steps stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me in cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. I said to the Lord, you are my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. Do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further his wicked schemes, lest they be exalted. As for the head of those who surround me, let the evil of their lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits, that they rise not up again. Let, the, let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Yeah, a real confidence booster, isn't it? To, to know that the Lord is with his people. No matter what the battles we are in. You know, and this child of God is David. And he knows, he knows that he belongs to the Lord. He has the stamp of God's relationship on him. And he knows that he's a child by simply by the grace of God, by God's grace alone. Well, here in this psalm, evil men, evil people are after him. They want to hurt him. They're planning his ruin. Why? Why are they doing this to him? Did he do something wrong? No. He's done nothing wrong to provoke them. He's simply following the Lord. Now that's all. And that's reason enough to make his enemies not like him. They hate him. Perhaps they're jealous of him. Because they see that, in a certain sense, yeah, he's got his life together. He's got the peace and the joy of the Lord. They don't have it. The child here, as we said earlier, is David. The child of God here. He's God's anointed servant. He's been anointed to be king over Israel. And who is he replacing? He's replacing Saul, who was 
a wicked king. And because Saul is after him, and many of his men are after him, David is on the run. He's like a bird about in the mountains. They're hunting him. His life is in danger. He's in exile. And that's really the context, I believe, of the psalm here. Saul is angry. He's in a rage. And to make it worse, Saul's advisors, those who are with him, come to say, let's get him. Let's go get him. Get him. Go get him. Maybe not saying that out loud, but they're thinking that in their hearts. And there's more here. As we reflect on this passage this morning, know that it doesn't just stay in the Old Testament. David is the anointed king of God. Who does that point to? It points to a greater king, Jesus, the anointed one of God, the anointed coming king. And that psalm, and this psalm is fulfilled in Jesus 1,000 years later. And what do we read there? Christ was also surrounded by evil men who plotted to hurt Jesus and to destroy Jesus. And they did. They killed him. But as they did so, remember this. He was giving his life on the cross for your salvation. For your salvation from your own evil, from your own sinfulness, and from evil men. He's there to cover you. We sang that in the song this morning, right? Lead on, O King Eternal. His cross is lifted over us. We, we go on into the fight. And today, yeah, no doubt, we too are anointed by the Holy Spirit in Christ. And it's no different. Men, evil men rise up against the church. In this psalm, God speaks to us today. And he says, pray. Pray. And you can pray with confidence. Because the Lord is so much greater. He's the one who has all authority in his hands. Protection is in his hands. And he is on the side of his people. And so what we see here, the psalmist prays for protection. Protection from evil men. And we're going to see three things here. We first of all see his conspirators. Or you could say those who plot against him. Those are his conspirators. And then we're going to see in verses 6 through 11, his covering. You see the word covering mentioned twice there. And third, his confidence. Wow. He has every reason to be confident in the battle. It's a battle. It's a battle against our own sinful nature and against our own sinful enemies. So let's look first of all, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And there you see David's conspirators, or those who are plotting against him. And what's the first thing he does? He's aware of his need. As a child of God, he's aware of it. And he brings it before the Lord. You know, you can just see him just laying prostrate before the Lord and says, Lord, here it is. It's all of it. 
this is what's going on. I don't know their hearts. I don't know what their schemes are. But I lay it all before you. Verse 1. He prays, deliver me. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men. You see, there's a progression here. You see how he says in verse 1, from men, evil men. And it goes towards violent men. Okay, evil men become violent men. They work, they conspire, they scheme, they plan against his anointed ones. We don't see it. We don't necessarily see all of it. The stuff that goes on in the depraved, depraved hearts of the wicked. We don't see near all of it. But God does. And that's why David prays. God is his help. God is his defense. God will be with him. On my own, they're going to overwhelm me. They're going to trick me. They're going to lead me astray. I need God as my help. You see, first of all, in verse 2, David acknowledges that those who are evil men, they plan evil things. See verse 2? Who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather for war. You know, in their hearts is no peace. There's no joy. They're just scheming all the time. That's, that's the life of the wicked. Scheming, jealous, seeking to, seeking to uh, outsmart other people. That's the heart of the wicked. They get together, they plan together, they pounce, they attack in order to do the most harm. And then you see their weapons. Their weapons is not their guns. It's this thing, their tongue. The biggest weapon is their tongue. Look at verse 3. They sharpen their tongues. Imagine, you almost get the image of Someone's sharpening a saw to make it razor edge sharp. And when they sharpen their tongues like a serpent, the poison of asps is under their lips. The image in verse 3 here is what? A snake and an asp. An asp is also a viper. A snake, what does it do? When it comes to you, it opens its mouth. And you see this rapid motion of the tongue going back and forth. It's almost like it's sharpening the tongue to strike. Well, like a snake, evil men use their tongues to sting other people. That belongs to the life of evil men. That's what the psalmist sees here. So cutting, so poisonous, is there slander? The other image here is a viper. You notice here it talks about the poison of vipers in the upper lip. Well, it's produced and it's stored in glands under the upper lip. And like a viper, evil men have a great storage of poisonous words, just ready to spit it out against others. James 3 talks about that, the tongue. The tongue is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. I think before we look at 
the next weaponry of evil men. Think of the tongue for a moment, just as an aside. The tongue. And you notice that verse 3 is quoted in the New Testament. It's one of the main weapons of evil people. It's an evil slander and gossip. It's an evil that belongs to evil men. Romans 3.13 right, shows how man's depravity, the depravity in the heart, right, is the nature that we are born with. Unless we're converted, unless we're changed by Christ, it just flows out with poison. Look at Romans 3.13. We are all under sin. And with their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Or you could say the poison of vipers is under their lips. Yeah, it's no doubt. As God's people, we sometimes also fall into these sins, do we not? And when we do, we behave then like evil men. And then we're called to repent of those things. And we're called to call upon the Lord for forgiveness and ask Him to change the tongue. Really. That's where the, one of the first evidences of conversion are, of a changed life, is in the tongue. How does this, what does your tongue say? What is your tongue speaking? Yes, slandering those who belong to Jesus, slandering those who belong to the body of Christ, is an attack of Satan upon his anointed ones. Yes, it's easy, right, to backstab. But God has delivered us from that, right? In Christ, he's delivered us from that. And he gives us a new nature that we seek to fight against those kind of enemies too. The tongue But in verses 4 and 5, we see more weapons of the evil men. They're trying to make David stumble. They're trying to make David fall in his walk with the Lord. Ha! If we can only get him to become inconsistent, and we can say, ha! You're a follower of Christ? Really? We did it. We made you fall. And David prays, keep me, O Lord. I mean, he's so aware of it. And he says, keep me, O Lord, from the hands of wicked men. Preserve me from violent men. They've purposed to make my steps stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me with cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. If you look at verses 2, 3, and 4, you see a progression here. What begins in their hearts is expressed in their tongues and it moves to their hands. Actions, right? In their actions. Evil men are using their hands against God's anointed. They want God's anointed. They want David to stumble in his walk with the Lord. And then they can catch him. And they say, ha, you call yourself one of those? You see, the image here is one of a hunter or a trapper. The wicked men use many methods, many ways. 
And when a hunter wants to trap an animal, what is, where does he place the trap? He places his trap not in known places, but in places where the victim is totally unaware that he doesn't get caught. And then when he catches him, when he catches his victim, he says, aha, got him. Got him. I got him. Or he uses a net with cords and he pulls the net together to bring it in. Got him. You feel that in your heart sometimes? In your life, that kind of methodology? Evil men. You know, they can be your acquaintances. They smile at you at work. But there's a knife in their other hand. How how they love to see believers stumble. Oh, they're evil men who know you. They may be those with whom you work. They want you to lose your temper. And they want you to swear. And they want you to participate with them in their filthy language. Oh boy, they want to draw you into their life of evil. Because if you don't, it makes them look bad. Uh, They want you to agree with them. And that's really the battle, isn't it? Oh, they want you to dishonor the Lord's day. Ha, got them. Got them. They try to trip you. They try to trick you. Sometimes we're maybe not always aware. The devil knows what he's trying to do. He want, they want to spoil your integrity. They want to ruin your character. Your new life, honestly, rebukes them. Rebukes them of their own sinfulness. If you look at 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4, it's really interesting. I made a reference to that in the sermon, but you can look it up. 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4. Peter is talking about the new life and those who are uh, serving their callings, serving the Lord in their daily work. And in 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4, he says, For we have spent enough time of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood, and they speak evil of you. See, that's no difference today. Oh, brothers and sisters, that they, they want to see you go down with them. It should not surprise you because they know that you belong to another master, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're blood bought. You're bought by his blood. He has justified you. He declared you right in God's sight. God has declared you righteous in his sight through faith in him. And, but they want you to be on their side. They want you to agree with them. David is fully aware. God's children are fully aware of these schemes. And that's why he prays. There's only one defense against evil men, and that's his God. And praying. Praying. And he prays. Keep me, O Lord. See that verse 4? Keep me, O Lord. 
from the hands of wicked men. Lord, protect me. I'm not merely aware of all the things that are going on, but you are. Help me to see. Protect me. You know, David was a picture of the greater one, as we said earlier, the one to come, Christ. Christ, too, was hunted down. Evil men, for example, tried to throw him down over the cliff. Read that in Luke 4. They tried to stone him. John 11. They tried to trap him in his words all throughout his ministry. They tried to outsmart him. Of course, you know, Christ was perfect. Son of God, Son of Man. They were unable to do that. Eventually, Judas, one of his own disciples who sat with him at the table, gave him that kiss of betrayal and turned him over to his enemies to be crucified. His plotters put him to death. You know, in Christ... We know that Christ was sacrificed. Yeah, in their, in their plots, God used that so that we may know that Christ was sacrificed on the cross for our sins on the cross. He did so to save you and me from ourselves. <laughs> this, this is the evil nature we're born with. We need to be saved from that evil nature ourselves. We need to go to Christ with it. He came to save us from that and also to save us from evil men who would seek to bring us down. Wow. Even as they plotted to do that, Christ was doing this for us. And no doubt, there are times we fall, but Christ is the one who comes to us and he forgives. He picks us up again and he says, I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've equipped you. I've given you strength. Go. Stand. Stand firm. Don't give in. Pray. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand against evil men. Stand against your own evil desires. If you look at Ephesians 6, 12 and 13, so beautiful. If you look at Ephesians 6, let's turn to that for a second. It says here, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, flesh and blood people all around us, but what do we wrestle against? against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand it in the day of evil, having done all to stand. Yeah. The day of evil, the battle, stand. God gives you the grace. By the way, that leads us to the second point, the covering. (laughs) Right? The cross is lifted over us. We journey in its light. Beautiful words. That's the covering. That brings us to verses 6 through 11. Where does David run to? He prays and he knows that the Lord is his covering. Look at verse 6. I said to the Lord, you are my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. That's why he can confess in verse 6 or verse 7. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. Why is the head so important? That's where the mind is. That's where the thinking is. That's where a lot of the action begins, is sourced in the mind. God, the Lord, does not take him out of the battle, 
We, we sometimes we pray, Lord, take me out of the battle. No, he doesn't do that. But the Lord tests our faith sometimes. And the Lord is our strength in the battle. He's teaching us to stand, to stand firm. That's our witness. He's the strength of his salvation. And it's no ordinary strength. Let people see that the Lord is your strength. He is your salvation. And people see that in the midst of battle, really, they're going to see, if you stand firm by the grace of God, they see and they are, uh, they, they see your witness in that. Indeed, God covers his head in the day of battle. Ephesians 6 talks about the helmet of salvation. <laughs> I mean, we carry salvation over on our head giving solid assurance of salvation in the fight. You know, the child of God continues to fight with blessed assurance, right? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchased by God. Wow. God may allow trouble for a time, but he will not allow his child Sorry, he will not allow wicked men to touch his child or take him away from his relationship with the Lord. God's child at times stumbles, he at times falls, but the Lord, the strength of his salvation, delivers him, picks him up again and again because he will not let his chosen go. We need to trust that. And we show that we can trust him by standing firm. That gives evidence of our trust, doesn't it? When we stand firm, that's the evidence of our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. It shows in our action, in our response to the Lord. The psalmist gives witness to what God has done for him in the past. Yeah, the Lord has covered my head in the day of battle. That's past tense. David could bear testimony to that. He's always done that. The Lord has always been his covering. He was, he was my covering in the past. He will be my covering today. And he will be my covering also in the battle of tomorrow. He will be my shield. My protection. At all times. In the spiritual battles that we face. Against our plotters. Yeah, that's trust. That's the key. That's the key. Trust him. That's the key to standing firm. That's the key to stand in the fight against our enemies. He covers your head in the day of battle. He covers your head in the midst of plotters. He covers your head in the midst of those who speak poison from their tongues. And those who would catch you in their net. Because of who God is. He can pray in verse 8. God, O Lord, don't grant the desires of the wicked. We can pray that. Don't let them have their desires. Don't further his wicked schemes. Lest they be exalted. Lest they be lifted up. Lord, don't give them what they want. They don't have your cause in mind. Lord, 
Don't allow them to go any further with their schemes. They don't have your cause in mind. Frustrate their aims. Frustrate their plans. And the comfort is that they can do no more than what God allows. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13? What a comforting verse. God is faithful. We have to believe that. How does that show? He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Believe that. Don't think that the enemy is so strong that you've lost. No, he will never give you more than what you can stand, what you're able to bear. Believe that. Today, because of Christ, God answers this prayer. And it's because Christ has won the victory through his death and resurrection. He's won the victory over violent men, evil scheming. They're going to be exposed. Every evil will be exposed. The slander, the heart of poison, will all be exposed one day. Christ is exalted, not evil men. They will be put down. Christ is exalted. Acts 2.34, what does it say there? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I will make your enemies your footstool. He's my covering. The Lord is our covering. Now if you look at verses 9, 10, and 11, you also read another kind of covering. It's the opposite. It's the contrast of this covering that the Lord gives us. The Lord covers my head, but the Lord will let the evil of their lips cover them. They will have no covering, no protection. The evil of their lips will expose them. It will be made plain as daylight. See that? Verse 9, 10, 11. As for the head of those who surround me, let the evil of their lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits that they may not rise up again. Let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. Lord, let their slander against us fall on their own heads. Let or pour out burning coals on them. Throw them into the lake of fire, into the deep pits. Let not a slander be established in the earth. Let evil be the hunter of the violent man. For this purpose, Lord, overthrow them. Boy, can we pray like that? Are we allowed to? Uh, Isn't that strong? Well, we may. We may be asking, is David showing sort of a revenge against them himself? No, he's not. He's simply praying for justice. Lord, exercise your justice. Exercise your holiness in all the earth. Not once, if you notice, as you read this psalm, not once is David taking matters into his own hands. He's not there to slander back. He's not there to scheme back. He simply leaves it in the hands of the Lord. Lord, you take care of this. Lord, it's your 
And really it is. It's a problem that belongs to the Lord. He'll take care of it. God is far more effective than we are in our schemes. God will take care of the matter. He will put an end to it. He will deal with it in his timing and in his way. As the anointed one who was to be the king over Israel, David was not only praying for himself, but he was praying for God's glory. He was praying for the coming of God's kingdom, for the coming of Christ. You notice that in verse 5. What are these violent men called? What are these evil men called? They're called proud men. He's not speaking of the common man here in this particular case, but men of power. They think they answer to nobody in the world. They act as if all things are under their control and they can manage their lives all on their own. That's really the essence of pride. To think that I can manage my own life in my own way and I can control others. Isn't this our world today? Today we have people in positions of power who consider it a little thing to crush the righteous, right? to crush Christians. Right? Today, you're considered intolerant if you don't agree with a certain evil practice. If you don't agree with certain things that you know that are against God, people say, he's intolerant. He should be banished from society. Or you may speak the Bible, but only in the church, but otherwise it should be silent. It should not be anywhere voiced in society. They scheme. They have evil in their hearts. They sharpen their tongues. They lay snares. They plan attacks on Christ and his people. And then you see, we pray as the Apostle Peter prayed. Remember, he had all these attacks against them. What did he pray? Basically, the same thing as in the psalm. It's in the New Testament. Lord, consider their threats. It's like, he brings it, he leaves it in the hands of the Lord. He says, Lord, you consider them. You take care of them. You take care of the matter. They're pouring out their threats against us. We don't fight using their weapons. Never. We should never, never. No. We take matters not in our own hands, but we leave them in the hands of the Lord and we fight with prayer because prayer is so much more powerful than any other weapon or scheme used of the flesh. When Christ returns... His people will join him in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Wow, what a royal position for sons and daughters of the King. His people will be singing and rejoicing. And one of the things they will be singing and rejoicing is over the fall of wicked men into the lake of fire. Very powerful. If you read Revelation 19, hallelujah, smoke rises up from the pit forever and ever and ever. It's not because of our, it's not revenge, it's simply God's glory is being expressed in that. Christ has conquered. God's anointed is covered. And therefore, we can be confident because of the promises in the future, because of the covering of Christ we have today, we can stand confidently. 
We can trust in the Lord most definitely. Definitely. He will take care of his people no matter what. And David expresses that even as he's running away and he doesn't know if he's going to get killed or not. But verses 12 and 13. God's people will be afflicted. God's people will suffer injustice. There will be unfairness, most definitely. There will be a lot of injustices. There are. And we've all experienced injustices. We've all experienced things that are so unfair in life. And it shouldn't surprise us. It happened to Christ. It happened to David. It happens to his followers. John 15. God's people, though, may echo the confidence of David here. We have reason, even today, for greater confidence since Christ has come. Look at verses 12 and 13. I know. This, this is an expression of confidence. I know. What do I know? I know. The Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. David could say this already back then. How much more we can say this today. Two things and then we conclude. First thing is, David says, I know. Is there any doubt in that? That's a confession of trust. And that trust will, will evidence itself in standing, standing firm in Christ. It's a confession of faith. He knows, no matter what, God will turn everything for the good of the righteous. All things will be made right. God will keep his word. Who is for us? God is for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. No one. Second thing, the righteous, those who believe in Jesus, shall give thanks. Even in the troubles now, this was also the experience of David as wicked men surrounded him. He was giving thanks. This is who his God is, who stands with him, who stands with him mighty in battle. He can stand firm. That's one of the ways we show thanks. We show our thanks by standing firm. Those who trust in Christ and remain faithful to him by God's grace will dwell in God's presence, will live in the house of God forever and ever and ever. What heights? You see where the psalm begins? The psalm begins with a man who's being hunted like a bird in the mountains. And where does it end? It ends with him in the house of God, in the presence of the Lord. What care, what comfort you can have and I can have from the God of our salvation. Thank God for his justice, but I also thank God for his grace and mercy shown in Christ. Because Christ fulfilled this psalm in our place. And because he fulfilled this psalm in our place, we're covered. We're covered through his blood. And we can stand, we can stand confident. Christ is exalted. And as the captain of the Lord of hosts, he leads his people to victory over all his enemies, which is a cause for great rejoicing. 
in the church today. So, Lord, protect us. Protect us, O Lord. Protect us from evil men. Amen.